Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Beis in Maseches Baba Metzia. Unbelievable. Baruch Hashem, we be Last night, we had a beautiful seum in Shari Zion. Uh, right now, Moshe Aziz, he sends regards. He's in China. Uh, it's been Shabbos for him for like three days already. And, um, and so everybody who was part of it, um, of the learning, thank you for participating. And Bezat Hashem, we're going to continue and all of our fallen soldiers and for the schus of all of Klai's trail for Yeshivas. Okay. So we start Batalis. Wow. Ochazin Batalis. Two Alright, let's be let's just take a random example. I don't know. Barry and Andrew. They come in and they're holding a talis. You guys are up to everything all the time. And they come into court. So this is a crazy case. What are they doing holding on to this talus? Okay. So each one is trying to claim this thing. Okay. So one says, I found it. And the other one says, I found it. Which means that they own it. So therefore, Barry says it's his, it's, it's all mine, and Andrew says it's, it's all mine. Now, of course, Rabari Leewitz, the great Dafyomi master, points out, Mitzasiyah is a funny thing. <laughs> Mitzasiyah is not the end of the story, right? When it's Mitzasiyah, uh, you usually have the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda when you find something. So it's not really yours. Why are you even coming into court? <laughs> Why are you announcing that you found it? Who cares that you found it? Go return it. So we have here an unbelievable, the, the Mepharshim explain uh, that maybe it's talking about a place where it's Ir Sheruba Kusim. I I'm not going to get into that. In other words, where you, it's a context where you don't have the Chiva of Hashavah Saveda for whatever reason. I would have said a different thing. I would have said that it's just uh, Talis that's nondescript and that you could not possibly return. That's what I would have said. Because if Ir Shakula Kusim... I understand you don't have a chiv of a ruba kusim. Most people are not Jewish, and therefore you don't have a chiv of a shavas aveda. That would, that would be that would be the teretz. But it's a talus. I mean, I understand a talus means like a coat. It doesn't really mean a talus. But what if it was a talus? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't belong to one of the non-Jews if it's a talus. But maybe the kusim wore talus. All right. I, I I told myself I wasn't going to get into that. The point is that Andrew and Barry are both claiming that this is theirs. Fine. The Gemara will discuss why it's saying it in both of those languages, right? That's going to be the beginning of the Gemara. Why do you say both of those things, that I found it and it's mine? Be that as it may, what is Allah of the Mishnah? Unbelievable. So Barry has to swear that he owns no less than half of this thing. Interesting, right? We're going to have to see. Why is, what does it have to do with no less than half? In other words, he has to, the Gemara, by, by Daf Hay. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about this, I guess, on Monday, why it has to be worded like that. But be that as it may, he's swearing, right, for our purposes now, that it's his. And Andrew, similarly, Andrew swears that it's his. So that's the halacha. Both of them have to swear. Ve'yachloku. And you divide the coat. Now, right? Shlomo Melech and the baby. 
can't really divide this coat if that's going to make it completely worthless. You can't take an actual, right, beautiful Armani or whatever. I don't know what's a good what's a good brand uh, raincoat and just split it in half. That would render it useless. You probably have to sell it and split the money, right? Okay, so that's that. That would be the halacha. But conceptually, you take the coat and you each take half of the value of the coat. So both Barry and Andrew will swear and take half of the value of the coat. So now we've started above Metziah in earnest, right? The case of Shnayim Ochlin Betalis. Fine, let's keep going. What if this is the case? Zeomer Kula Shali. If Barry says it's entirely mine, Zeomer Chetzi Shali. And Andrew says half of it is mine. How would half of it be yours? Well, Andrew and Barry's case are different. Barry says, I had it and I got it. And then Andrew ran over five minutes later and grabbed it. So it's entirely mine. And that's true, by the way, right? If it, let's say it was a metziah, indeed, so then whoever, kol hakodem zacha, whoever got it first, does in fact own it, right? Andrew can't take it. Andrew's claim is different. Andrew's saying, Barry and I picked it up exactly simultaneously. The halacha would then be that they do jointly own it, and that is Andrew's claim, okay? So if that's what happens, then omer kula shali, so then, Barry swears that he has no less than three quarters of it. And Andrew says that he has, owns no less than a quarter. And therefore, it's clear what's happening here. Barry gets three quarters and Andrew gets a quarter. What is happening is that they are splitting only the disputed part, right? The Barry claims he owns the whole thing. So the second half is the only one that's disputed because Andrew is only claiming half of it. And so that's the halacha. Again, it's worded in the same way as the first as the first case in terms of what the shvua is. But we will see on Monday, Bezat Hashem, why it's worded that way. But that's the halacha. Basically, everybody swears, both parties swear, and you split the value. Very good. Uh, similar situation. We'll have to also discuss why we have this situation. This I got to see. Maybe in Purim it's coming up, Andrew. You and Barry can come in riding together on a horse. Or, right, shades of Purim again. One is riding on a horse and the other one is leading it. And so both of them are kind of with the animal, right? So we have to talk about how that is different than Natalis, but it's the same, it's the same machlokas, same dis- uh, disagreement, right? Barry says it's entirely his, Andrew says it's entirely his. Again, the Mishnah says, everybody swears that they don't own less than half of it, and they split it. Okay, so they found this animal somewhere, and now they're splitting the value. Then the Mishnah concludes, If Barry and Andrew obviously both agree that they picked it up simultaneously, right, or if they're not necessarily in agreement, but we have actual adim that could testify, which is going to be the equivalent of evidence, right? So either full evidence or an agreement of the two that they picked it up simultaneously, right? You will be cholkin below shvua, says the Mishnah. The halacha would be the same, right? Picking up simultaneously is, this could, we could have started with this halacha. Picking it up simultaneously, the halacha is you split it. What else would it be? But the difference is you don't have to swear. And we're going to see why we make you have a shvua. That is a surprising thing that we make you have a shvua. Uh, I'll say it outside first. We mentioned it last night. 
it's surprising that you'd have to make a shvua when we know that there's a possibility that one of you is wrong, right? We don't want you to have to make a shvua to something that is inherently incorrect, right? Um, in other words, the one thing that we know that, well, it is possible that they, that they jointly own it, but, it, but the, that's not the shvur that they're necessarily making, and maybe that's why you have to make it the shvur that way. Now we're getting a little bit of an insight, right? In other words, how could we make, we wouldn't make Andrew and Barry both swear that they, let's say Barry and Andrew both think that they got it first. We wouldn't make them both swear that they own all of it, because that's for sure not true. That's the only thing that can't be true, that they both own all of it. So thus it would make sense for them to say, I, you know, like, we know what you mean when you say you think you own at least half of it. <laughs> we know that you're saying, we know that you mean that, you're, that you think you own all of it. But we can't make you swear that because then one of you is going to be swearing falsely. So we don't want to encourage that. So say it the other way. Say that you own at least half of it, according to you. And it's possible that you own half of it, right? Because that's plausible. It is impossible that you both half own it in the event that you picked it up simultaneously. Right? That would be the... That would be the reason why you say it that way. Okay. All right, very good. So now, what does the Gemara want to know? And by the way, last night we also linked why, this has, why, why we're learning this Mishnah in this order. It says, Baba Metziah, what does it have to do with... Uh, so we know that Baba Khan and Baba Metziah are technically all, as Rabbi Hauer said last night, they're all one Masechta, but they're split up. And we were talking about who owns what towards the end of Baba Kama. So now that's what we're talking about at the beginning of Baba Metziah. Says the Gemara. So the first question of the Gemara is, listen, just say one of them. In other words, when Barry and Andrew each say, I found it, and then Barry and Andrew each say, it is mine, they're saying the same thing, right? It, they're, what they're saying is that it's mine. That's the claim. So why are you using both of these languages as if they're saying two different things? Says the Gemara, Chada Katani, you're right. The Mishnah is really only saying one case, and this is what they're saying. Each one of them is really saying, I found it and it is mine. So the Gemara says, So let's just have the case, right? We're always trying to be economical with our words. Why, don't, why doesn't each one of them just say, I found it? And that would be the Mishnah. And we would know what that means. It means that Andrew and Barry are each claiming that it's entirely theirs. Says the Gemara, you couldn't do it just that way because itana ani mitzasia, havamina my mitzasia reisia. I'm going to kick this around for a little bit here for the rest of this amud. That we're trying to teach you something very important. That if this has to do with baba mitzia, right? Baba mitzia uh, really means the middle, the middle uh, shar. That's what it means in Hebrew, the middle gate. But, you know, mitzia, it's a play on words, is what you find, right? So, ani mitzasia. Hava mina mai mitzasia reisia. What does it mean I found? It means I saw it. That's what you would have thought. Okay, so you would have thought that you can lay claim to an object <coughs> just by having seen it. But that's, afal gav, as the Gemara continues, de lo So, you would think that you could claim it by seeing it before you even pick it up with your hands. And you would think, beria ba'amakani. And therefore, one would be under the impression that just by seeing an object, it's not a question of who picked it up first, but when one finds an object, it's a question of who what? Who saw it first. And therefore, the Mishnah therefore had to explain that Kula Shali teaches you 
that Re'iyah in itself is not Kona. Okay, well, how does it, how does it explain that? So the Mepharshim has to explain that when you say Kula Shali, that has a connotation of taking it in your hand. Okay, so that, that, that is the answer, right? It's not intuitive, right? Kula Shali, why is that, right? You could have said that Metziah and Kula Shali also means that you thought the Re'iyah Kani, but... But the Mepharshim have to explain. The only way the Gemara makes sense is that Kula Shali does have a connotation of, of I was Konet, and it's for that reason that we have both cases. Okay. I mean, Matis Amar, so the Gemara asks, but could you have thought that? My Metzosia, Risia, would you have ever really even thought that I found it means that I saw it first, and that's what the claim that Barry and Andrew are making is? The Amar Rabnai, Rabnai said, Umatsasa, Rabbanai says that not only does Kula Shali imply that you picked it up, but the very word metzasa that you see in, right, in the Torah. The Torah says, Well, umetzasa in the Torah, over there in that Pasuk, um, in Devarim, is actually sounding like you actually picked it up. So, even Metziah in its own right is connoted, connoting, right, that it, you picked it up, not just saw it. So it's not really, according to Rabbanai, it's not really necessary to say Kula Shali. So the Gemara says, in, you're correct, and Rabbanai is right, that when the Torah says Umetasa, it certainly is talking about, or at least implying that you picked it up with your hands. However, Tana Lishna de Almanaka. The Mishnah is not using the Torah language of umatsasa, but it's talking about the colloquial, the common language. And therefore, we have to understand that when, since the Mishnah is not like the Torah, the Mishnah is more a language, it's more the, the common language. Of, uh, it's not considered psukim, it's considered the common language. Uh, it's the Torah Shabbat peh as it were. So therefore, when it says mitsasa, it's not obvious. Even if Rabbi Nai thinks that it's obvious in the Torah that it means it picks it up, when we say, I found it, we might mean, I saw it. You know, I found this somewhere. So you saw it first. You, that's what you're referring to. And with the Chazalei, Amar Ana Ashkachis. In common language, when you see it, you say, that's, you say, hey, I found it. Ah. Right? And therefore, you might have thought, because the mission is colloquial and it's not biblical language, then you may have thought that just seeing it is enough to, right, acquire it. So now we did a second lap around this idea. First, um, with assumption that maybe it's the Torah phrase. Now we're saying that even colloquially, we have to understand this. We have to have the phrase Kula Shali also to teach you that Re'iyah Ba'alma is not Kona. That when you just see it, that is not Kona a Mitziah. Very good. So then the Gemara says, Shali. So let's do away with this whole Metziah altogether. Why do we need that? Just say very simply, Barry and Andrew walk into the court and each one says, this one's mine. That's, then when we know what the Machlokas is. Right? Just don't say and we don't need Animetzasiyah. We will just say that each one make, takes full claim of the Talas. Says the Gemara, that wouldn't be enough either. Because if the Mishnah had only said, it's all mine, Hava Amina Be'alma De'Kasani Metzasiyah. <laughs> Again, oh my goodness, we're so afraid of, of this Re'iyah Ba'al Makani. If we would have just said Kula Shali, you might have thought that generally 
when Mishnaya say, I found it, in other words, we bedafka need to have a Mishnah where Matsasiya means Kula Shali because those two phrases together are what is necessary to teach you that Re'iya Ba'alma is not Kona. Those two phrases together, Kula Shali is implying that you picked it up for whatever reason, and therefore when those two phrases are together, now you know that you need to pick it up physically in order for it to be yours. So that even if we just said Kula Shali, we said nothing about Metziah, we would be missing that lesson, and so we bedafka have Kula Shali and Metziah in the same Mishnah to teach you that very lesson, right? So Yitana Kula Shali, have Amina Ba'alma If it had only said Kula Shali, we would have thought that in general, Right, when it says that it's and it is for that reason that we learn both and then go double down and say that each one makes a statement that it is theirs because from the fact that we have this superfluous additional thing of both and in the same sentence now we know that Ria is Lokani, and now you don't have to ever wonder that again whether finding it is by Ria. Fair enough, Barry? Fine. Now let's talk about the actual halacha. What's going on here? Is it really true that that's what the Mishnah means? Uh oh. In other words, we just said that Animatsasiyavakulashali is the same claim. Barry and Andrew each claim it's entirely theirs. But really, they're saying the same thing. But says the Gemara, that's not how the Mishnah is structured. Says the Gemara, v'hazev v'zekatani. The Gemara literally says, You try to tell me that they're making the same claim. It's one and the same. Isn't the Mishnah going out of its way to illustrate that it's not the same claim? Like, why are we breaking it up so much, right? Okay. Right, so the Gemara is just quoting the Mishnah. Right, so... What's the answer to that? Why are we saying it in that language, Barry? Says the Gemara, Amar Papa, Simi Bar Ashi. What's the answer? Amrila, Kedi. So some say it was her Papa, some say it was Shimi Bar Ashi, some say it was Kedi, which is either the name of a dude, Kedi. Um, or Kedi means that nobody knows really he said it, it's like unattributed. What's the answer? Resha B'Metsia, B'Seifa B'Mekach Memkar. Wow. So not only is it because of the Re'iyah but it's a, an illustration of two different things. Right? Re'iyah B'Metziah, the Seif of Mekah Memkar. So the first case where he says, so Andrew and Barry each say that I found it. Uh, but when they say Kula Shali, they're talking about a different case. They're illustrating, they're telling a different story, Barry and Andrew are. What's the story that they're telling? Rashi, last Rashi on we don't want to leave the first Amud of Babansia without Rashi, don't, do we? Let's see the last Rashi in Bezimadal. So let's say it's Barry's claim. Can you see Amiad Ploni? They all say they bought it from Phil. Right? So only if they claim that they bought it is when we say, I'm reading inside Rashi. That's only then that we say that you have to, as the Mishnah says in the Halacha, that you split it with a Shvua. With a because again, each one could say that they bought it, and Phil was happily right it. Phil was happily right selling it to them. Let's say that an oreg, my say oreg, right, like a person who actually makes it, right. So if, 
If they come in and Barry says, what do you mean? This is my talus that I sewed myself with my own bare hands from nothing, right? From thread. And Andrew makes the same claim. Well, that is a different case. Lo yachloku, says Rashi. Because that is a case where it's a zero-sum game. They couldn't both have made this talus from scratch. In that case, that's the last line on Rashi in, in Amar Aleph. That there, you would not be a chlokus. That's a fascinating idea, right? So again, Mecca, in other words, what Rashi's trying to explain is why did the Gemara zero in on Mecca Chumemkar? They could have each said, like, I created it. You know, I inherited it from my grandmother, right? That kind of thing. The fact of the matter is that that's not what the halacha would be necessarily in those cases. We're not talking about a case where we know for sure it only belongs to one of them. And we're still going to make them swear that each one of them owns it and split it in half. That's already, now we're starting to get into the halacha here. Now we're getting lamdish, right? Now we're getting abstract. Now we're saying that, no, we're talking about a case where it could theoretically belong to both of them somehow. How would it be in the case of Mecca Chumemkar? It's a little more complicated. As we will see, and we've already seen a little bit of this in Babakama, but this is a real mamon hamuto besafik. In other words, in order for us to ever say both swear and yachloku and that will split, it would have to be a real down the middle, right, exact 50-50 proposition that, that each of them own it with the possibility that somehow they jointly own it. That has to be the case. And that's very important for Rashi to explain. That will be explored in greater details. We turn to Bezim and Bez, Andrew. Okay. Again, because the Gemara says, the Itana Metziah, because if we had only had the case of Metziah, Havamina Metziah, Hudarama, Rabban, and Right? So now, as we turn the page, we're really getting more Lamdish. If it only, so now, again, according to the Shadow of Papa, we're talking about two different cases. Metziah means you've just found it and you picked it up simultaneously, Right? And, mekach, and the second case of Kulashali is a Mekachu Memkar, when a guy, each one says, the guy sold it to me. Oh. So, so if, and, and again, in both cases, the halacha is that you have to make a shvua and yachloku. So if it had only said Metziah, you would have thought that Havamina Metziah, who the Ramurban that only in the case where both of them are claiming that it's a Metziah, that we're going to make them both swear. Why? More. More here means like more heter. So let's say Andrew, okay? He didn't find this thing. He knows that Barry found it. However, he is justifying, he's rationalizing. The Omar Chavrai Lav Midi He says, listen, my buddy, my buddy Barry wasn't missing this thing. He's not going to lose anything from me claiming that I also found it. After all, it was found money, right? So he rationalizes going in, and Andrew would never do this. He's kosher money. But it's just for sake of illustration. I apologize again, Andrew, after last night and after today. But the point is, Andrew's rationalizing and he's saying that it's not such a big deal for me to say that I found it because I'm not like taking something from Barry that was his hard-earned thing. He just literally found it. He, he, he just was lucky. So I'm just taking something that he found from him. That's not a big deal. And therefore, he's more easily prone to rationalizing lying. And it is for that reason that we make him swear. Do you see the point? In other words, we specifically make him swear in a, situ- in a situation where we think he's more prone to lying. And thus, by making him swear, we're actually keeping Andrew in check and making sure that everyone is convinced of their story. 
So it's specifically in a case, so if we had only learned Metziah, you would have thought, well, only in the Metziah we're going to make Andrew swear, right? Because there, he's more prone to lying, and the swearing will keep him in line, right? So, right? That's just finishing the line. That's what still Andrew, what he's saying to himself. And Barry was never, right, was not going to be missing this thing. It's not his hard-earned thing anyway. I'll go. I'll say I found it too, and I'll split it with him. What's the big deal? Barry should be happy with that, right? They found the $1,000 cloak. Yesterday, before he found it, he didn't have anything. Now he has $500. He should be happy with that. And so he justifies and rationalizes his own lying. So we make him swear. However, says the Gemara, but in the case of buying and selling, that justification cannot be said. Because, right, because there... Andrew, being a liar, no offense, Andrew, knows that Barry must have needed it. Because if he didn't need it, why did he go ahead and buy it? And so that's a more nefarious lie. To say that you also bought it, albeit the halacha is that we do return the money to each one. In other words, if Barry claims, just so to get the halacha clear, if Barry claims that he bought it and Andrew claims that he bought it, each for $1,000, so what we're going to say is, the, we're going to ask, like the mocher should know. But let's say the mocher doesn't know. The seller doesn't know. Phil doesn't remember what, which was. He can't tell the difference between Barry and Andrew. So, so what the halacha would be is each one's going to get half the value of the cloak and then Phil's going to reimburse each one the other $500. So the money's going to even out, right? Uh, assuming, right, the money isn't really evening out for Barry if he bought it, but it still is, right? Because let's say Barry bought it for $1,000 and he was really the, the true buyer. So Barry bought it for $1,000, and he got a $1,000 coat. At the end, he's going to get his money back, right? Um, but wait a minute. If Andrew's getting $500, and he didn't pick up anything, so, so how does that work? So the, the, the point is it's a more nefarious lie because Barry, right, because Barry actually, because Andrew saw that Barry bought it, and he can't say, oh, he didn't really need it because clearly Barry did. And therefore, you would say that we do not impose a shvua on Andrew because it's like uh, the gun, uh, those who are in favor of, of, of uh, allowing guns, they're saying like, uh, well, if those people who are using the guns in a nefarious way to, like, to create crimes, they don't care about the fact that guns are illegal either. You see, you see the point? So, so, like, it, so if you don't let legal people get guns legally, I'm not... I'm not taking a stance on gun control. I don't know anything about this topic at all. But I'm just saying, if, you, if the people who are law-abiding, if you, if you don't allow guns, then you're only keeping guns away from people who are law-abiding. See what I'm saying? Whereas, uh, whereas if you allow guns, then law-abiding people could also get guns. I don't know that there should be guns. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But I'm just saying I wouldn't know what to do with a gun. But the point is, Mekachumemkar, it's, it's a similar idea where... If Andrew is willing to go so far as to lie about buying this when he didn't do it, knowing full well that Barry paid good money and uh, went ahead and needed this thing and therefore paid for it, so then why wouldn't he lie in a shvua? Making a shvua, you would think, you wouldn't have to make him do it, right? Aim low. And so the fact that we're teaching the second case of Mecca Chamemkar is teaching you that we still would impose a shvua, but we have to have both cases in order to know that, okay? So just say Mecca Chumemkar and know that in every case we're imposing a shvua. But yeah, but if we only had Mecca Chumemkar, not the case of Metziah, then you would have 
thought the converse, that it's only in Mecca Chamemka that you need to have a Shavua. Mishum demari ve'amar chavari demeka yoiv. Right, that there, we are going to put an oath on each litigant because, again, Andrew's rationalizing, he said, what? That, that my friend Barry is giving money to the seller, but I'm also planning on giving money to the seller. That's an interesting thing, right? Because the Gemara has to do the, uh, right, we have to sort of like interrupt the sale and, and Andrew has to buy the cloak for himself. In other words, we're not talking about a case where everything already happened and Andrew is now going to get $500 for not having given him money. We must be talking about a case, and it's an unusual case, where the money is, is indeed going to even out. Okay, so if the money is indeed going to even out, so then you could say, right, that Andrew is also going to plan on giving $500. That's a very unusual kind of liar, right? <laughs> you see what's happening, Barry? Andrew's lying, and he's saying that you didn't buy it. But it's not because he's like a thief. Chas v'shalom, right? Andrew would never steal. He just loves the coat, Barry. Or the half of the coat, because he's only getting half of it. Whatever it is, he just loves this item. Or he wants to do business with this guy. So, like, when he gets his $500 back, he's going to give it to the guy. He's not going to steal it from the guy, right? He's just uh, wants to somehow be involved for whatever reason. Okay, so then he's more after. He says, Barry's paying and I'm paying. What's the problem? Hashta the tzricha now that I take it for myself, I will take it. Andrew's going to work it out that somehow he gets the coat that he loves. And Barry isn't losing money. He'll let him go buy a different coat. Barry doesn't care. So all of that is the reason why we make him swear because maybe even in the case of buying, Andrew can rationalize it. But when it comes to a found object, right, that rationalization Andrew can't do. He can't say that, oh, hopefully Barry will find another one tomorrow. Right, that's like something that's a, that's something that you can't plan for. That's just happened, and therefore, since you have a different scenario with Mitzia, Emalo, you would think in that case that um, that Andrew would not have to uh, swear, right? Because again, that's uh, a thing that he cannot rationalize, and therefore, if he's willing to say this lie, then we're not. Maybe his oath isn't worth anything. Tzricha, and therefore. We make him, we have to learn both cases, that of Mecca Chememkar and that of Metzia to teach you in both cases. The halacha is what, guys? Yachloku and Shvua. Right? You make a Shvua and then Yachloku. Good. Now the Gemara asks, really Mecca Chememkar? Can our Mishnah really be talking about Mecca Chememkar? Does it make any sense that Barry and Andrew would both be saying that they bought it from Phil and we're going to have a court case about this and we're going to make a Shvua and split it? Ask Phil. <laughs> Phil, who bought it? Barry or Andrew? Because what happened is Phil might have accepted payment from both Barry and Andrew. One of them was, uh, did, it, he had, did a willing transaction. The other one was against his will. But Phil famously can't tell the difference between Barry and Andrew and he can't remember which one forced him to do it and which one he did it willingly. Well, now already we've done what? We've illustrated a case, right, of who's, who's uh, really did the sale. Because an unwilling, right, sale, right, may not be, right, uh, unwilling sale may not work. Now, also, the, the way this sale works, clearly, guys, do you see what's happening? The, the way the sale works is you're buying, it's a pre-sale, right? You're... The claim is you're buying it, but you didn't get it yet. 
right? So that, that's the only way it would work, where, where both people came to try to buy it from him, and then Phil still had it in his possession enough for the second guy to come. But the point is, that's how the sale would work, right, simultaneously. So it's a fascinating idea, right? Um, okay, so, so, so fine. So that would be the case, and that's how you have the sale, because Phil simply doesn't remember. Fine. So now, Lema Masnisi, 13 lines down, Delo Keven Nanas. Now we're going to try to figure out who's the author of our Mishnah. Okay. Should we say that our Mishnah is not like Ben Nanas? What did Ben Nanas hold? The E Ben Nanas, Amar, Ketzad, Eluv, Elu, Bain, Ledeshu, Ashav. That was Ben Nanas's problem. Ben Nanas said we can never make two opposing parties with two different narratives make a Shvua. Because in the event that we do so, by definition, one of them is swearing falsely. And Ben Anas does not allow a court to bring litigants uh, into a position where one of them for sure is swearing falsely. And therefore, this idea that both Barry and Andrew saying, saying different narratives are going to swear cannot uh, be written and authored and agreed to and signed off on by Ben Anas. He would never have two people swear and split it because he doesn't think that that's the case. The Gemara says, well, it could work still within Ben Nanas because Afilu Tema Ben Nanas, how would he learn our Mishnah? Even if you said, Afilu Tema Ben Nanas, Hasam Vada Ikashua Shav. The only case where Ben Nanas says that we don't make both parties swear is when for sure one of them is swearing 100% falsely and therefore it's literally Yeshua Shav, Hashem's name in vain. However, Hacha Ikalamemar Delekashua Shav. In our case, as we've illustrated, it is indeed possible to say that there was not a Shua Shav. How so? Because it is indeed possible, although it would have to be very, very precise, but it can happen, I suppose, that both of them are exactly picking up the talus simultaneously. Okay? So if they both picked it up simultaneously, as we've already illustrated, the lacha would be that yachloku, right? Then we would say yachloku. And therefore, by both of them swearing, and once you incorporate the nusach, right, the proper verbiage of the, of the shvua, where they say, I own at least half of it, then Bananas would be okay with our Mishnah, because he would say, that's not necessarily a shvua shav, and that's good enough. It's still a chiddush berry, right? That even though uh, it's possible that they're giving a shvua shav, right? But it's also possible that they're not. So as long as there's a possibility that the shvua is correct, so then Benanas should be okay with it, right? That's the Chiddush within Benanas. Okay, so he might have been our author. Now the Gemara says, Is our Mishnah not like Sumkas? We were introduced to Sumkas, see Rashi, because Sumkas, the third wide line, Bava Kama. Remember Bava Kama, Barry? Bava Kama, Gabi Shorsh, Naga Chasaparav, Nimsa, Uber Betsida. That was Daf Mem Vav, right? That was a, the other case that we have, Mamon Amutal Besafik, right? We had a, Barry had a cow and there was, right, and it was gourd and now there's a fetus on the floor and we don't know. Is this, is this fetus part of what Andrew has to pay as the owner of the, of the goring shore or not, right? We literally don't know whether this fetus was in the cow at the time of the goring or was it born before, okay? So what did Sumcha say over there? What? Yeah, he said Yachloku, right? That's correct, Andrew. Sumchus, Andrew remembers Menvav, he does a lot of Chazara and Bavakama. So Sumchus held over there that Yachloku, that we split the amount of that calf. But what's different is that he says you don't have to make a Shvua. Huh. 
Well, that's not like our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, we have a mamon, a mutal besafek, and we're saying yachloku, and we make you make a shvua. So is that a difference? Would Sumkas agree with our Mishnah? Maybe Sumkas wouldn't make you swear when he sees a mamon, mutal besafek right off the bat. He says yachloku. Let's resolve this by just splitting it without a, without a uh, shvua. Oh. Says the Gemara, elamai rabbanon. Really? So you're saying it's not like Sumkas, but that's also a zero sum game, right? We have two shitas in Menvav. Sumchas and the Rabbanan. Sumchas says Yachloku. And the Rabbanan say, not Yachloku. Rabbanan say, Ha'amri ha'motzi mechavera olav araya. The lach over there in Menvav was that whoever is holding on to the money, right, would have to, it gets to hold on to it. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? If Barry wants to be compensated for the loss of the calf, he has to bring proof to Andrew. In the absence of proof, the burden of proof is on Barry. In the absence of proof, we're not going to give it, uh, him any money. But the point is that neither Sumchus nor the Rabbanon say anything about a Shavua. So if our Mishnah is not like Sumchus or the Rabbanon, and neither of them can read this Mishnah straight, then how, what is this Mishnah doing here, right? They, one of them has to be able to read the Mishnah straight. Says so the Gemara, hi, my, so what kind of argument is this? What's the case? The case is going to have to be like this. You could say that the Rabbanon hold, in general, right, that Hamotzi Mechaveri Olav Araya. That it that if Barry ha, if uh, let's say Andrew has money and Barry wants to take it out he has to bring proof. But Hasam the Lotafsi Tarvayu. Yeah, but in the case of uh, the calf in Mem Vav, right? They nobody was holding on to this calf, right? That was a mamun hamutal besafek with no muchzak. That was a mamun hamutal besafek where nobody had claim. We literally it was in the abstract had no idea. And nobody had any idea, right? It happened out in the fields. So literally, nobody had any idea what the scenario was and who it belonged to. That's literally a 50-50 proposition with no uh, assumption of, hold, of ownership. However, so there, it is there where they're going to say, everybody keep whatever money they have. We have no proof of nothing. And in the absence of proof, the burden of proof is on the person who's trying to take out money. However, but in our case, the Rabbanon, who typically don't make you make a Shavuah, in the case where we don't know what the, what, uh, who owns what, here, both Barry and Andrew are doing what? They're walking into court, each holding the same exact amount of talus that may have been picked up at the same exact time. So now, Paul Gilei So there, since there is a Muchzak, right, we're going to say Yachloku. In other words, right, burden of proof and Shavuah that becomes a little dicey with the, we, the Mepharshim here. There are different ways to create credibility. The biggest amount of credibility is what we would call evidence in the form of Edim, right? Actual, actual evidence, actual knowledge, right? But Shavuah does add credibility. It's somewhere in between evidence and actually happens. So in the case where we know that a calf fell in the field, we don't know if it was implied in the goring, so we know that nobody knows the answer. We have zero evidence, right? And we, nobody's holding on to this calf. So it's out there in the abstract and nobody can make any claims. So of course we're not going to make anybody swear. Like, what is that going to help? We know that nobody knows anything, right? And so in that case, we're going to also not take out any money because we have zero evidence to anything. So, so everything should stay where it is. Everybody's money should stay where it is. This is a very fundamentally different case. This is two people walking in, holding on to a talus. So now, right, the truth is lying somewhere in between the grasped hands of Barry and Andrew on this talus, right? And so now we have no evidence. 
Adam didn't say anything. They did not resolve our issue. So we're going to say, this is truly a situation where each person, we want to give them credibility by uh, swearing. And then if they both are willing to swear, we're just going to have to say that they must have picked it up simultaneously and we split it in half. So it's implausible for their abundant to say that in the case of, of a calf that falls out in the middle of the field, because we know that Barry and Andrew have no clue what happened. So what? They're going to swear to what? Right? They have no credibility at all because they have no knowledge. So we're just going to leave everything where it is. That case we throw out, of course. But a case where both of them are holding on to it and they have a narrative and they have a talus and they have a physical possession. So now bring, make your claim. Bring your credibility. And, and, the worst, right, and if it comes out that both of you are equally credible, we'll just split it. So they're about to make perfect sense. They're not in contradiction. In one case, it makes sense that in another case, it makes sense that they should swear fine. That would be Rabbanon. Kinsumchus also. Kinsumchus, who in the case of the calf, he says, just split it without a shvua. Is there a scenario where he would think that in our case we would make a shvua? Let's see. Says the Gemara, Eliyam, Atsumchus, Hashta, Uma, Hasam, Delo, Tafsi, Tarvayu. In the case that we said in, in Memvav with the gourd cow, right? Neither of them are in physical possession. Cholkin, Delo, Shvua. So it is for that reason that we're going to split it without a shvua. Hachad, Tarvayu, Tafsi, Lo, Lo, Kol, Shekain. So wait a minute. Where nobody's holding it, we don't have a shua. Would you think that it's that it's more certain, right, in our Mishnah, that where they're both in physical possession of it, that they don't have to make a shua? Huh. All right. I mean, if Simchas, the point is, if Simchas is not asking for proof, right, or at least the right the credibility of a shua to take out payment from one person, then you would think that. Being to do to split the payment, um, you certainly would not need the shvua. That's the that's the article according to the Rajpa to explain this qu- question. In other words, it sounds like Sumkas is irreconcilable because you would think that you would need to swear more so to take money out of Andrew entirely, right? And since Sumkas holds that you don't even need to do that in Menvav, maybe you would also hold. So, so then it would seem likely that he would hold that you certainly wouldn't need to have a shvua in order to split it in our Mishnah. But that's not necessarily true because the way we already described it, it's really two different cases because the Gemara, as the Gemara continues to say, I feel the tame of Simchas, even with Simchas, ki amar Simchas, when did Simchas say it? Shema v'shema. Right, in the case of the calf in the field, both Barry and Andrew have no clue what happened. So they're both giving what's called a tainish Shema. They're both actually not sure. So what, you're going to make them swear of something that we know they don't know? But in our case, that's not the case. In our case, they're each holding on to it. And therefore, they both are certain. And Barry, doesn't that make eminent sense? How could you swear about what the Matthias was, what the actual thing that happened was out in the field when we know you weren't there? You can't swear about that. That's a Shema. That's a speculation, right? However, here, you know what happened with the Talas. Of course, that makes more sense for you to swear in our Mishnah. All right, so that's the case. And the Gemara says, okay, we do have a case. Somebody who was in Sumchus' Shia, when they heard them say, somebody who was there for Babakama held that Sumchus would have said the same thing even by Bari Bari. So could that fit with our mission? So the Gemara, Rashi has a shadow of what Jara de Mamona is. Jara de Mamona basically means you're taking money from somebody, right? In other words, you have, you are actually taking money from Rashi. 
see Jared Ramona, four lines up from the bottom. Chisaron Mamon. You're taking money. Shim Yifra Zeshalokidin have a Chisaron Mamon. Right? So, in a case where we're certainly somebody's going to lose money, right? Because, again, the, 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 there was going to be no Yachloku. In other words, we know that Yachloku is for sure not going to, is not what, what happened. The, the cow wasn't gored immediately during the birth of this calf. It's a zero-sum game. It's either true or not. We're making a compromise by definition in Bavakama. But in our case, there's no necessarily Jorah de Mamona because you might have both picked it up simultaneously, in which case Yachloku is the proper din. So therefore, that would be the difference, right? Where there's Jorah de Mamona, right? That's when he's going to say, don't swear. Avalhecha deleka Jorah de Mamona lo. Right? Maybe he did not rule that where there's no true loss, right? Like in the case in our Mishnah, Right, that maybe there he he's okay with the shvua because the shvua might be correct. Ah, says the Gemara. Vlav kal v'chomer hu umal hasam dika jor demona lamar vika jor demona lamar. As we turn to Gimel and Adolf, what's happening, Andrew? Vika lemeim rakul lamar vika lemeim rakul lamar. Amar sumchos mamon amutal b'safek chol kibla shvua halcha deleka jor demona deika lemeim rakul tarvayu he lo kol shekain. So the Gemara is going to ask a question tomorrow, right? Where are you going to say? Maybe it's a local chicane that over there that it could be, it's supposed to be a zero-sum game where the entire money belongs to one of them and still, right, Sumchus would say that you are going to be cholik without a shvua, whereas here in our Mishnah, right, where you could say that it actually does belong to both of them, each one half, would you say that it isn't it certain that each should be divided without swearing? I would argue the opposite, which the Gemara will. And again, just to finish it off, when it's plausible... And you both have a tainus, a real taina, because you were both there with the talis, where Sumchus might be okay with you swearing, right? Whereas where you have a jar de mamona, you have two reasons why we wouldn't want you to swear. First of all, we know that you don't know what you're talking about, in the case of Bavakama, because you weren't there. And secondly, right, your, your shvua in itself is definitionally false, because one of you owns it completely. And so one of you would be lying. So there's two reasons why Sumkas wouldn't make you swear in Bavakama, but still might make you swear in our Mishnah. Welcome to Bavamansiya. Everybody have a great Shabbos. Thank you.